Let's pray. Father, we just bow before you. We proclaim that you are great. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. Father, whether we're having a good day or a bad day, you are worthy of our praise. And this morning we come to you to worship you, to proclaim your greatness, proclaim your goodness, that you are a God who is good, a good God. God is good and we want to declare that. And God is love and we declare your love to us this morning. We praise you for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you demonstrated God's love by coming into this world, by rescuing us as we watch that, that video clip. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came and rescued us from the uh, attacks of the enemy. You've saved us. You've given us eternal life. We pray that you'd continue to make your presence felt in our lives day by day as we seek to follow you and trust in you. Father, meet with us now. We pray as we read your word, as we study it together. Uh, challenge us, change us, encourage us. Be with us, we pray. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You should have on your seat um, a nice color leaflet here. That cap is some uh, updates on what's been happening, so do grab one. There's about one on every third seat. So if you haven't got one, there should be one very near you. Do grab it, have a read of it. It's double-sided as well. And it's just a little update from Linda, just on what's been happening, the news, the progress with cap. Anything that's not clear in there, do ask Linda afterwards, and she'll uh, explain what's going on there. But do, do read that. It's really encouraging to see what's happening and to see... Uh, the beginnings of what hopefully CAP will do under God's blessing uh, in the weeks and months and years ahead. So do read that and grab that if you can. Now this week, if you hadn't noticed, is a bank holiday weekend and that means not only is church decimated because everybody is away uh, enjoying themselves and enjoying the, the uh, amazing bank holiday weather, but it also means that probably millions of other people around the UK will be travelling off on destinations, off on journeys. My in-laws went to Devon on Friday. It took them 12 hours to get to North Devon. 12 hours. You can be in Singapore in 12 hours. And they, it took them all day. And the thought of 12 hours with my father-in-law in a car is, is, is quite something. Uh, so uh, due respect to my mother-in-law for enduring that for 12 hours all the way to Devon. And, and just in any car, 12 hours. Can you imagine that? Um, it's horrendous. My father-in-law, I love him dearly, but... He won't put on the air conditioning to save on the petrol, but then has the window down to balance off. So uh, it's a good job I wasn't in the car for 12 hours, put it that way. But there'll be loads of folks off on big journeys like this this weekend. Keith and Lucy have gone up to Glasgow. Keith apparently is climbing some big crazy mountains up in the Isle of Sky. I don't, know, I don't know how they've got there or which journey or which route they've taken. There's many different ways you could get there. Just as with Devon, there's probably one good route, but there's half a dozen other routes you could take. And uh, life is a bit like that in general, isn't it? There's, there is a kind of general direction that we're heading, but there's lots of little turns and twists and different directions that we can take as we go through life. We, um, we might wonder, you know, which job am I meant to take? Which house am I meant to buy? Who am I meant to marry? Should I marry? These kind of big questions. And, and sometimes deciding the answers to those is really difficult. Working out which way to go in life, working out which way God is directing us can be difficult. We'd all like to know what we're meant to do next, it would be great, wouldn't it? Or, or maybe we think it would if we had a kind of map and it was all mapped out for us in our entire life. Each little step was mapped out for us and we knew what was going on. Or maybe it wouldn't, actually, if you think about that. As followers of Jesus, as Christians, we believe, don't we, that God guides us. The Bible tells us that, that God guides us. He directs our steps. The Bible teaches us that. But how does God guide us? How does that actually happen? What does it look like in our lives that God guides us? How are we meant to know how are we meant to follow God's guidance? It's a tricky one, isn't it? We probably all believe this morning that God guides. If I asked you to put your hand up and say, do you believe that God guides? You'd probably say, yes, I do believe that. But how exactly he does it, and knowing when it's God, and 
how that happens, I think we'll probably all agree, is maybe not just quite so straightforward. It would be great if there was a simple kind of process, but it doesn't always work out quite as straightforward as that. We're studying the book of Acts at the moment on a Sunday morning. And the book of Acts is the record of the Acts, or the activities of the apostles. The apostles were the, the uh, church leaders, the early church leaders of the church. And the book of Acts covers a period of time from Jesus' resurrection and ascension up to heaven, up to about 60 AD. So about 30 years uh, it, it's, it's covering. So some of the bits of the Acts kind of follow on. It's a day by day. Other bits, there's whole years or several years of time condensed into just a few verses. It's selective, but it covers about 30 years of time of the history of the early church and the Acts of the Apostles. And the passage that we're looking at today records how the Apostle Paul and some of his companions and his team, how they struggled to know what to do next in their life. They weren't sure what they should do, which step, where to go, and which direction to go. They were struggling with God's guidance. They weren't sure what to do. But if we study this passage, we will see some principles for understanding how God guides those who follow him. And hopefully this morning we can apply them to our own lives. So we're going to read from Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16, verses 6 to 10. Last week Sam Dalfoyt was here, and you were able to listen to Sam as he unpacked verses 1 to 5. And then this morning we're looking at verses 6 to 10. Next week Rob is going to help us as we look from verse 11 down to 15 of Acts 16. But this morning we're looking at Paul, uh, Paul's... Uh, it's, it's entitled in my Bible, Paul's Vision of the Man of Macedonia. These titles, by the way, are not in the Bible. They've just been inserted to help us kind of see what the different sections are about. But verse 6, we're going to read down to verse 10. Paul and his companions travelled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, that's the Holy Spirit, would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Paul and Silas are traveling on what is called Paul's second missionary journey. And there's a map up there on the screen for us. And in this passage, they're also joined by Luke, We've probably got Paul, Silas, and Timothy initially. Then halfway through this passage, uh, the writer of Acts, who is Luke, he changes from they to we. So at some point, probably at Troas, Luke joins them. They started out in Antioch. They headed to Derbe, then to Lystra, and to Iconium, places that they'd visited on their first, mission, first missionary journey, which we looked at a few weeks ago. And then they travel through Phrygia and Galatia, areas that are all part now of uh, what is now modern-day Turkey. And then they end up going around the province of Asia. Now, Asia in the Bible is not the great continent that we think of as Asia. Asia, or Asia Minor, uh, Asia was a province of the Roman Empire, and it was found in western Turkey, central western Turkey. So when you, when you read about Asia in the Bible, it's not talking about the great continent that we think of. It's talking about this province in what is now western Turkey. And they ended up in Troas, which is up on the northwest coast of Turkey, getting ready to set sail for Macedonia, in what is now northern Greece. They were on a journey. They had a clear purpose. They knew what they were trying to do. They were trying to spread the good news about Jesus. That was their plan. That was their mission. That was their focus. That's what they were doing. They were trying to bring people to faith in Jesus, and they were trying to establish local churches. And they were very successful in doing that as we, as, as we follow Paul's missionary journeys. But as they tried to do this, in this little section that we've read today, 
They had to try to work out where they were meant to preach. They had the big orders, you know, the kind of general orders, God's general will of preaching the gospel, but then where were they meant to do that specifically? And when were they meant to do it? And as they tried to work that out, God kept preventing them from doing what they were planning to do. They had this plan to preach the gospel, to lead people to faith in Christ, to establish churches, but then it says that the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus, it's alternatively referred to the Holy Spirit in that way, prevented them from doing that. Paul and his companions, if we look at verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They were trying to preach the word, in other words, they were trying to preach the good news about Jesus, but the Holy Spirit was preventing them from going into the province of Asia and then from going up into Bithynia. They tried Asia, no way there. They tried into Bithynia and God prevented them from doing that too. So, so what is going on here? Why was God stopping them from travelling into certain places? Well, the first thing that we need to see is that they were being obedient to God's will. They're not being disobedient. They are being obedient to God's general will. We can describe God's will or we can perhaps separate God's will into two categories, his general will and his specific will. God's general will and God's specific will. His general will is what he intends for every person. It's what we might call our standing orders. If we were in the military, we would have standing orders, things that we're just meant to get on and do. And we can call God's general will, if you like, our standing orders. Orders from God that are unchanging, that we are always meant to carry out in all circumstances at all times. So what are our standing orders? What do they look like? What does that, what does that mean? Well, we have examples of God's general will, and in fact, there's many, 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 but I've just put a few down for you this morning, and you'll be able to think of many more. But here's a few. We're to love God, aren't we, with all our being, to love our neighbour as ourselves, to seek first his kingly rule in every area of our lives, to be baptised, to take communion, to commit to a local church, to work, to earn our food to love and care for our families, to use our gifts and abilities to serve God, to submit to the ruling authorities, to tell others about Jesus. There are many others, but these are some key examples of things that Christians are just meant to get on with doing. There's no question, should I be doing these things? The Bible is full of instructions to do these things. So these are, this is God's general will for us. I never need to ask God, should I, should I be kind to my neighbour? Should I love my neighbour? Well, we don't need to ask God that because it's already there for us in the Bible. God's already told us that. We never need to ask God, should I get baptised? Because if, we're, if we've trusted in Jesus, then every Christian should be baptised. He's commanded it for those who follow him. I never need to ask God, should I tell other people about Jesus? Because Jesus has made that abundantly clear that we're to go into all the world and tell people about him. And that's what Paul and his companions were doing. They were being obedient to God's general will. It's specifically here, God's general will to get busy telling others about Jesus. Jesus had said these words, hadn't he, just before he went up to heaven. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. We don't need to ask God. We don't need to have a big prayer meeting and a big kind of church meeting and consultation over whether we're meant to tell others about Jesus. We know that. It's, the Bible's full of instructions to do that. We just need to get on and do it. And part of our job as Christians, if you like, is to study the Bible, to find out what those general orders are, what are our standing orders, what does God tell me to do, what does God instruct us to do, and to get on and do it, to find out what those instructions are and to spend the rest of our lives living those instructions out. So write that on your outline. There's an outline on your seat for you on the back of the bulletin. 
we need to just get focused on carrying out our standing orders. If God has revealed to us things that we need to do, to all of us, which he has, we need to find what they are in the Bible, and we need to carry out our standing orders, including, specifically, and we're focusing on that this morning, spreading the good news. There's no question over whether we should do these things. They're just there for us. We don't need to have a great big debate about it. It's there. It's in the Bible. We need to get busy carrying out our standing orders. And that's what Paul and his group were doing. They were following the instructions of Jesus. They were going into, into the world, and they were telling people about him. That's what they were doing. And that's a challenge for us, isn't it? Because before we get into the detail of God's specific will for our lives his specific will for individual situations. We just need to make sure that we're actually carrying out his general will. Sometimes we can get really hung up on, you know, is this, my, is this job meant for me, or is, are I meant to marry this person, or am I meant to live in this house, or, or should I buy this car? And we can get all hung up on specific instructions or, or, or specific decisions that we need to make, and it's important to pray those through and seek God's guidance. But actually, we just need to take a step back sometimes and make sure, am I actually living as a Christian should be living? Am I carrying out God's general will for my life? Before I start focusing on the nitty-gritty stuff, let's just make sure I'm actually living as a Christian should be living as far as I can in my day-to-day life. And Paul and his companions were doing just that. They were trying to tell other people about Jesus. Part of their standing orders, part of our standing orders, was to go into all the world. And that's what they were doing. And verse 6 says this, Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They were being obedient to the command to preach about Jesus. But when they tried to go into Western Turkey, into uh, Asia, the Holy Spirit prevented them from doing that. And then, having had that kind of option cut off to them, they then thought, right, let's go up into Bithynia, up into northern Turkey. But the Holy Spirit prevented them from doing that as well. And we read that, when they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia. Can I have that verse up, please, Daniel? But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. Once again, they were were trying to be obedient to God, trying to carry out God's general will, and yet for some reason the Holy Spirit wouldn't allow them to. So they ended up going to Troas, and no doubt Paul probably thought, well, there's a big city in Troas, that's a good place to go, let's go and preach there, and Timothy's probably, uh, sorry, um, Luke is probably there, so let's go and let's have a mission in Troas. That's probably what they were thinking. And here now we get into God's specific will. God's specific will is where God gives us much more detailed orders and guidance for individual situations. God gives us his general will in the Bible, but then he will sometimes give us much more detailed instructions and guidance in different situations. We know what God wants us to do in general, and we know how he wants us to live in general, and so we should make plans accordingly in our lives. We should plan with God's general will in mind to live in a certain way. We should make plans for our future. As a church, we know what God wants us to do, don't we? And so we should make plans and strategies for how best to accomplish that. Planning is good. Planning is biblical. The apostles, Paul and his team here, were planning. And that's good and it's biblical. They had a plan for evangelizing Turkey. They weren't just randomly walking around Turkey wondering what they should do and sharing the gospel when they had an opportunity. They had a plan. They had a real specific plan. They were going to go here, then they were going to go there. They had a plan, and planning is biblical. And we need to make sure that we don't just randomly wander through life, both as individuals and as a church. We should make plans. We should have plans and strategies individually and as a church for what, for what we're doing next in our life. Where are we going next? What's our life going to look like? Where, is, uh, where am I going? What am I trying to do for God? As a, as a church, we produced 
a, uh, a plan for the next few years of this church. We called it the Fresh Vision. And there's some, some copies of the Fresh Vision update in the entrance hall for you. And, and it included some really big things. It included some, some, some fairly small-scale things. It included some really big things. One of them was setting up a cap centre. And that's been fantastic. We've done that. One of them was extending this building. And another, which was a much more long-term thing, so don't panic, we're not talking about this next week or the week after, but much more long-term, planting a church. See, if you don't plan, you never quite get around to it. It's just a kind of vague idea. Oh, that would be a good idea. But you need plans. If we don't have plans, we would never get around to it. We would just kind of wander through life. And we need plans. Plans are biblical. However, we need to be sensitive as we plan to the voice of the Holy Spirit. We need to be listening out all the time and, if necessary, tweaking those plans so we can have God's general plan for our life. We know what we should be doing. And as we're following that general will, being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, and making adjustments, because it might be that he wants me to, for instance, not preach here, but preach over here. Or it might be that he wants us to plant a church, but not here, and not yet, but over here, and, and, and in a different time, period of time. Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. So write this down. You see, God wants me to plan. We need to be people who are planning our lives, but to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Where am I going to be in five years, in ten years' time as an individual? What is my, what is my family going to be doing? What is our plan? To be aimlessly wandering through life isn't biblical. Jesus had a plan. Jesus was going to Jerusalem. He knew what he was trying to do. He went through the villages, Luke says, on his way to Jerusalem. Paul had a plan. Planning is biblical. Planning is good. But as we follow those plans to carry out our standing orders, our God's general will for our life, we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit if and when God reveals his specific will to us. We want to plant the church. That's what biblical churches do. They reproduce. They plant new churches. That's God's general will, his standing orders. But when we should do it, where we should do it, who should do it, that's a different matter. That's God's, God's specific will. And the Holy Spirit had guided Paul and his companions, his, his team, his apostolic team, as they tried to carry out their general orders. He prevented them. He did it in a kind of negative way. It, it wasn't in a, in a kind of positive way. They weren't responding to a specific uh, voice of God or direction. God... Uh, led them through closing off uh, opportunities. He prevented them from going into two areas. Now, we don't know how he did that. It would be fascinating. I would love to know what that looked like. What did it mean for the Holy Spirit to prevent them from doing that? What did that look like? We don't know. Maybe he spoke directly through a prophecy or actually heard God speaking or more likely, I think, actually, it was through what we might call shutting doors. They were trying to go into central western Turkey, into the, the province of Asia, but something happened that prevented them from doing that. And they concluded that it was the Holy Spirit. Luke writes that. And then something prevented them from going into northern Turkey, into Bithynia. And again, they, they attributed this to the, to the Holy Spirit, to the Spirit of Jesus. And we can probably all identify with this, can't we? When we've applied for a job, or we've uh, tried to buy a house, or, or to do something that is completely within our standing orders, completely biblical, nothing wrong with what we're doing. We're, we're doing something that's good, that's right, that's biblical. We're making plans. But it's like being in a hallway with perhaps four or five doors to choose from. And as we, one by one as we try the doors, they won't open. They shut. And for some reason or other, something that seems perfectly legitimate, perfectly good, but God just isn't let, opening that door for me and I can't get in there. And sometimes we have to stay where we are. Or sometimes one of the doors opens and we're able to go through it. And, and that often happens, doesn't it? with some of these key decisions. There's no direct voice from heaven, 
but just through circumstances, it seems as if the Holy Spirit is, is leading us in one way or another. And sometimes we have to wait and we have to stay in that hallway, as it were, kind of just learning to trust God in that moment. And what we learn from this passage and from many others is that in these kind of situations, the Holy Spirit is active in our lives, guiding our steps and intervening in our circumstances, sometimes by closing doors and sometimes by opening doors. Not real doors, not literal doors, but it's a kind of a picture that the Bible uses. Paul describes just this very process in his letter to the church in Corinth. He says this, and the verse is going to come up for you, but I will stay on in Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door for effective work has opened to me. In other words, an opportunity has arisen for Paul to keep preaching. So he's going to stay on. God has made it possible for him to do this. The Holy Spirit had opened a door, as it were, and so Paul was able to step through that door and take advantage of the situation that the Holy Spirit had created for him. Now this can be really confusing for us because when we're in that hallway, as it were, applying for all those jobs, for instance, it's not always clear, is it, which way uh, God's leading us, which door is opening. And sometimes two doors open, and sometimes no doors open, and we have to stay put. And it requires great trust, doesn't it, when we're in those situations. When we're in a situation where it's really not very clear, and we have to sometimes just stay put, and we have to, in those moments, really trust God in those situations. What is God saying here? I'm not sure. All the doors are shutting, uh, but I need to go somewhere. I need to do something, but I'm not really quite sure what. And sometimes we just need to stay put and just keep trusting in the Lord. And, and we don't know how long this took. We don't know how long this, this journey took. I don't, I don't think it was just a few days. This might have taken a number of weeks. It might have been over a period of time where they, they were trying to do something and it wasn't very clear what was happening. And you know, God rarely shows us beyond the next step of our lives. It's very rare that God reveals to us what step 15 or 16 or 17 down the road looks like. God usually just gives us enough information for that next step. What's the next step? And then, and then just enough information for the next step. We know what the big picture is, our standing orders, but what that actually looks like in detail is often not revealed to us. And when it is revealed to us, it's usually just enough for us to take that next step. So write this down. We need to trust God and we need to believe. It's about making a choice. When we're in those confusing situations, when we're not sure where the next step, or, or what the next step looks like, to trust God in that, and to believe, to choose to believe that he knows what he's doing, that, we're, that our lives are not just some random process, that we're not caught in some random situation, that there is a God who is on the throne and he is in charge. It's what we call God's sovereignty, that God is sovereign over us, he is in charge, he's king. Believing that God is in charge, believing that God is in control, believing that he rules and he reigns, and that he wants the best for us. Paul says in Romans 8 that all things work together for good for those who love him. Trusting and choosing to believe that even though right now my life might not make a lot of sense, I don't really know where I'm going next, it's all a bit confusing, but believing that even in the midst of the confusion, God is in control because he's working his purposes out in my life. And it may be that we never find out the reason why we have sometimes delayed. Sometimes five years down the road we can look back and think, yeah, now that makes sense, I now understand that. And, and as we're going to find this morning... Paul and his team were able to see the reason why the doors were shutting because God had a different role for them somewhere else. Sometimes we never really know and sometimes it might be five or ten years down the road when we understand, now I know why that happened or why that door shut or why that door opened. We may never know this side of heaven. We may never be revealed to us until we with Jesus finally 
why certain doors shut and why certain doors open. And that's when it really calls on us to trust in God, to believe that he is sovereign. We know, don't we, as a church, that it's God's will for us to spread the good news about Jesus. That's a given. And part of that is planting churches. That's a biblical model. They are our standing orders. But exactly how and when we do that and who does that, that's a whole different ballgame. It's a whole different matter. And so we need to push the doors, whether it's a, a job that we're going for, whether it's how as a church we extend the building or, or, or plant a church, whether it's a, do I get married, do I buy this house, do I live here or there, to push those doors, just like you would push a physical door, to, to, to perhaps take a step towards it and see what happens and be ready to respond if the Holy Spirit shuts that door. Praying all the time, seeing if God is leading us through a particular door and in a specific direction. But when those doors shut, concluding then that the Holy Spirit, because God is sovereign, because God is in control, doesn't want us going in that direction, that he has some other path for us. And it may be that you're in a situation just like that in your life this morning. You feel like you're in a hallway with lots of doors, and you're really not sure which one to go through. Maybe there's two doors open, or, or, or they're all shutting. Maybe all the doors are shut, and you're really not sure what to do next. Or you feel as if you're just kind of trapped in a situation. And if that's you today, then I want to really encourage you to trust God, to believe that he does know what he's doing, that he really is in control, even if it doesn't feel like that this morning. Our feelings are utterly unreliable, aren't they? Feelings come and go. And the challenge for us is to choose to believe what is true, because the Bible says God is sovereign. The Bible says that all things work together for good for those who love him. That is what the Bible says, and it's true. And so to choose to believe that, even if right now in your situation it doesn't feel like that. Your situation is not without meaning. It's not without purpose. And God does have a plan for your life. But we often have to exercise great patience and faith as we wait for him to lead us to that next step, whatever that might be. And one of the reasons God does that is to help us to trust him more and to learn to rely on him rather than on our own strength and abilities. God wants us to use our strength and our abilities. He wants us to make plans, to use our common sense, to use our abilities and so on. But if we rely totally on these, we take our eyes off God, don't we? And the challenge is to use those, to be planning, to make plans, whilst at the same time constantly be submitting to the Holy Spirit and to his sovereignty. As Paul and his team arrive in Troas, presumably thinking, great, finally we're here, we can uh, go out and preach and, and let's pray that we'll see a, a church planted here. They were presumably planning that very next day to get busy at preaching. Probably Paul was planning to go to the synagogue or the marketplace and to start preaching. Something happened. Something happened that revealed why they'd been prevented from doing what they had planned. Look at verse 9. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul woke up, he shared the vision with the rest of his team and they concluded, uh, and as they, they, they kind of weighed up what Paul was saying, they listened to what Paul had seen in his vision and his dream and they concluded from that that God was calling them to go and to preach the good news to the people of Macedonia. So verse 10 says, After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. It was the Holy Spirit speaking directly through a dream. But as they discussed what that dream meant and as they reflected on their current situation with all these closed doors, they were putting together their, their kind of common sense, their, their situation, and a direct intervention from the Holy Spirit. They no doubt talked and prayed and discussed it as a team. And then the, the, the conclusion of that 
was that God was indeed calling them to go. This vision was indeed from God. To take the gospel for the first time into what we now call Europe. God had given them their standing orders, the big picture, which included preaching the good news about Jesus, just as he has to us today. And God had given them some slightly more specific orders, particularly because they were to be missionaries. Now, we're not all called to be missionaries. We are all called to tell others about Jesus, but they had a specific calling to be missionaries. And so they were traveling around with a plan and a purpose, teaching and preaching. But then as they tried to carry out these general orders and these slightly more specific orders, they kept finding these closed doors. And sometimes that's all guidance is, doors that close, and then doors that open. And as we pray about each situation, we sometimes receive peace, don't we, that it's the right thing to do. We can't put it into words, but as we, as we, as we look about our situation, as we pray about it, we just feel a real peace that this is right. And other times we feel a deep unease. This just, in my spirit, as I connect with God's spirit, this just seems wrong. Nothing wrong with it, technically, but it doesn't seem the right thing to do. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will specifically speak to us in a supernatural way, as he did here to Paul. I would suggest that isn't something that happens every day. That isn't our normal. We're not meant to wait for a, a prophecy or a dream or a vision before we decide, am I going to buy this, uh, this, this uh, lettuce here or, or this lettuce in my shopping? You know, we, we have common sense, we have brains, and God doesn't usually work through that process. In fact, in, in the book of Acts, there's, there's nine occasions in 30 years when this happens that Luke records for us. But it is something that God does. It's perhaps not an everyday thing, but it is something that God does, and it's entirely biblical. The Holy Spirit will speak to us through dreams, through prophecies, and what the Bible calls world, words of knowledge. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 14:29, speaking about church services. He says, two or three prophets should speak, and the others should weigh carefully what is said. Gift of prophecy is normal, it's biblical, and it's something we should make room for. But we need to weigh carefully what somebody says. Just because somebody says, I've got a prophecy, I've got a word from the Lord, we don't just take that at face value. We have to weigh it carefully. And it's utterly biblical to weigh it carefully, to test what's being said. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul says this, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good, reject every kind of evil. We must never dismiss prophecies or words of knowledge that people give. We should always listen to them, but then we need to test them and examine them. And if we're convinced then that this is from God, then we need to hold on to it. But if we're convinced that, it's, that what has been said is not from God, then we need to reject and dismiss what has been said. So we need to make room for prophecies, we need to make room for dreams and words of knowledge, and be open to what the Holy Spirit might be saying to us. So write this down, we need to be open and ready to respond to dreams, prophecies, to words of knowledge, but we must test them against Scripture. We need to test what we hear against Scripture. The Holy Spirit will never tell us to do something that goes against what he's already revealed to us in the Bible. And that's where it's important that we share these things with other mature Christians. If we, if we sense that God has spoken to us in a dramatic way or in a non-dramatic way, whatever it might be, it's good to share that with other Christians, with, with your church elders, and to weigh up things and test them. When Claire and I decided to go to Bible college um, about 18, 19 years ago, we hadn't told anybody else and then Claire's mum and dad, who were down in London at that point, uh, um, a lady in their church had a dream. And she knew nothing about our plans. No one knew anything about our plans. She had a dream that Claire and I went to Bible college in Scotland. And so she felt that the Lord was putting that on her heart to go and share that with Claire's mum. And Claire's mum phoned us up and said, well, actually, that's what we believe God's calling us to do. And that was a great confirmation for us. But had we had that out of the blue, it, we would have needed to really test that. Is that what God is saying? Is that just someone's random dream? Or is that really from God? So we need to test these things. 
When Paul had this vision, he shared it with his team and they concluded that this was why they'd been unable to preach in central and northern Turkey. Because God had other plans for them. And these plans included sailing to Macedonia and preaching in that region. Verse 10 says, After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so Paul and his companions, now joined by Luke for the first time, Luke, who wrote Acts, now start saying we rather than they. This group sailed across the Aegean Sea to Neapolis, and then they travelled on foot down to Philippi. And as we'll see next week, they preached the gospel. People believed, firstly firstly, uh, Lydia, and then the the jailer, the guy in charge of the jail in Philippi, and a church was established. But this was no small step. It was the first time the gospel had spread into Europe, and Paul and Silas would find themselves imprisoned in Philippi as a result. And often when God calls us to do something, like he did here to Paul and his team, It requires us to be bold and it requires us to trust him. When God often asks us to do things, sometimes that can really require great faith and there's a risk involved. There's a risk we might fail. And the option or the the temptation is to be cautious and never step out. Serving God will always require risk. Humanly speaking, there will be things that we sense God is calling us to do which don't make a lot of sense. They don't make financial sense. They don't make practical sense because God is calling us to do something that is contrary to what we're doing. But you know, write this down. If if God has spoken to us, then we need to be obedient. If God speaks to you, if God speaks to me, if God speaks to us as a church corporately, then we need to be obedient to that. It'd be tragic, wouldn't it, to turn our back on God's guidance. If God says wait, then we need to wait. But if he tells us to go, to do whatever that might be, then we need to go. God's been speaking to us as a church and we've been obedient and we've launched our CAP Centre. And the fruit of that is, this morning you see on your, your, your chairs, you've got the uh, newsletter. It's scary, especially the finances, and it's risky. There is a great risk that we might fail. We might run out of money. Things might not work out. But you know what? I'd rather fail having tried something that was risky for God than to stay in our comfort zone and never step out and never really see God's blessings. Easy option is to stay put. The scary, the risky option, but the good option is to step out when we, feel, when we believe that God is calling us to do that. As elders, we believe that God is calling us to extend the building and we believe that God at some point in the future wants us to plant a church. Both of those things are scary and humanly risky. People have already said to me, well, we haven't got the money for that. And you're absolutely right, we haven't got the money for that. They're scary, humanly risky things to do. They're both within God's general standing orders because we should grow as churches and that might mean we need bigger buildings and planting churches but the specifics of how and when are for us to pray about and seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit but if and when God does say we should for instance extend the building or to plant the church then as scary as it might be as risky as it might be it's important that we step out in obedience and it may be today that God has been speaking to you about something in your life something personally that God has been perhaps asking you to do or for the first time is calling you to do open a door for you to go through. And that door might be scary, that might be risky. What's on the other side of that might be challenging and daunting. God wants you to be obedient, to step out in faith, trusting that God will honour your step of obedience and faith and will provide for you in whatever way that looks like on the other side of that door. The important thing is that we carry out our standing orders, that we busy ourselves living the way that God wants us to live including spreading the good news, as Paul and his team were doing. But then, as we rightly make plans in our lives and in our church, we need to be open 
and we need to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And sometimes that'll be through circumstances, closed doors, open doors. Other times the Holy Spirit will speak to us directly and supernaturally. And that is often a difficult process, staying close to God, listening for what he might be saying to us and trusting him with the future. But then being ready to respond to his voice if and when he does speak to us directly. And God may only give us enough information just to take that little next step. But as we stay close to him, as we lean on him, and as we trust him, we can grow in our faith and do things in his strength rather than on our own. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this great incident in the life of the apostles. We thank you for that it's the first time that the gospel came to this continent, our continent of Europe. We thank you for the willingness and the boldness and the risk-taking of Paul and his team to bring the gospel to Europe for that very first time. But Lord, we realize too that there were closed doors and there was perhaps confusion and, and a lack of understanding about their way forward. And Father, we pray this morning, I pray this morning that uh, if anybody here is finding themselves in a similar situation, that you would give them the faith to trust in you, but also that you would speak and reveal your will to them. Do that for us too as a church, that we might always be walking in accordance with your will and not out of step for it. Give us boldness and faith to take risks for your glory, but also give us wisdom to know when to stay put and to listen to you. Help us, we pray. Help us especially, Father, as we seek to be obedient in spreading the good news in whatever way that looks like, whether as a church or as individuals. Help us this week to take the good news out to other people. Lord, we give you thanks for the fact that just as Paul and his team went and left the comfort of their home, took risks for you so that others might hear the gospel, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are a missionary saviour. You took risks, you left heaven and came to this earth for the sake of us. You took a great risk, you took a great step, which entailed leaving the comfort, the glories, the riches of heaven and coming into a, into a sin-sick world for us. Help us to uh, model our lives on the Lord Jesus, we pray. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you came for us and that you saw our need and you were obedient to the Father's call. We give you thanks now, in Jesus' name. Amen.